And I thank you so much that we can sing that in victory, God. Lord, your kingdom is here now in us, Lord. And we look forward to the day that we will, we will live in it with you as you live in it with us today. And God, right now, God, there are so many people that are coming this morning with different things. We know, God, that there is hurt. We know there's pain. We know there's questioning. But we also know there's joy and anticipation, God. Lord, you are a sovereign God. You can meet us each where we're at. And so we thank you for that. We thank you that you hold us tight, no matter our circumstances, God. You want to speak to us. You want our hearts to be illuminated with our minds, God, to your presence, to your word. And we ask that you would show us, that you would reveal to us, that we would see clearly and hear clearly. So God, anything that is hampering that, we know we can put it at your feet. And I pray that we would. And I pray that this morning would not just be a time when we come and here, but a time that we would come here and then put what we hear from you, God, into play in our lives. So God, move. We ask and we look forward to it and we thank you in advance for that. In Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. Please be seated. Good morning and thank you, team. I love our worship team. And Andrew, well, well done this morning. Amen. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's all right. I like him. Yeah. You know, it's fun. I'm, I'm going to share something. I wasn't planning on this. And, um, you know, I'll just share a little bit about me. My wife is not here, so I, I can do anything I want. All right. And she's sick this, this morning. And I decided, you know what, I want to I share with you kind of how we got engaged, how this came about. Now, we were working together. I was a youth pastor, and she was a youth volunteer. And we got to know each other at church and, and through missions trips. And, and, um, and we dated off and on, you know. She, she was all always hot for me. No, actually I was, I was excited for her and then it would change and she wasn't for me. And so that went on back and forth for about five years. And, and then, then we got to the point and she's just going, well, and I went, well, what, you know? And as I was, I was like, what? No, what, what are you talking about? You see, one thing I didn't realize is how selfish I was. How many of us ever realized how selfish you were? Anybody? Keep your hand up. You're still selfish. Okay. <laughs> All right, mine doesn't go down. And, and so I, re- you know, I was sitting there, and she's just like, well, are we, are we going to do this? Are we going to become one, you know, be married? And I'm like, I'm not going to have some woman tell me, you know, this kind of thing. And so it was like this whole thing. And so we decided to end our relationship. And so we ended the relationship, and, we, you know, we went on our merry way. And so, so I was like, wow, you know, that, that I, I, I was missing her, you know, and, 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 and I went to church, went to a Nazarene church, not Nazarene, but I went to the Nazarene church, and they do this thing with an altar, and an altar call, and so, like, all good Nazarenes, they go forward at a certain time in the service to pray, and it's really co- to confess their sins that they committed that week, and so, so, no, it's a joke, and anyway, so, I decided I'm going to go down, and I'm going to pray, and so I went down, and, and I, was, I was kneeling there in prayer, in earnest prayer, going, Lord, what, what is this? What am I to do? And, and, the, and I was, it was conviction on my heart. And I was like, what am I doing here, God? And then I felt this hand on my back. And I was certain it was, it was Laura. And I just go, God, I will marry her. I'm going to do this. And so it, it was just an incredible time. It was like a ton of bricks just fell on me. And so at the end of the prayer, I got up and I turned around and it wasn't Laura. 
And, and I decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask her to marry her. And, and, and so I, first I have to ask her dad. He was an evangelist. He was 6'6". He's a big guy, Art Fowler. And so I just go, I call him up. I'd like to have dinner or lunch with you. We go have lunch and, and, and we meet with him. And I finally go, hey, I'd like to marry Laura. And he, he just looked at me, changed the subject, and was talking about other things. I was like, oh boy, he really hates me. You know, and then I go, well, and he goes, oh yeah, you can marry her, that's fine, and he's moved on. And, and, and I was like, oh, okay. So he, and so subsequently, I, I asked Laura out, and I wanted, to, I wanted to take her and treat her right, and she's just like, what are you doing? You know, we're broken up. And so I went and I, I borrowed my friend's brand new car, you know, BMW, beat my old beater Honda, you know. And I, and I, and I picked her up and she's just like, what is going on? I told her to dress nice and I took her to the Brown Palace in Denver, which is a really high flutin' place. And, and I took her there and she'd always want to dine there. And we go in there and dinner, our time together is terrible. She is looking at me like, you, what are you doing? She had such disdain for me. I can say that. I know you're watching, honey, but that's the reality. <laughs> and she's just like this. And so this is not going well. So I decided, you know, I'm not even going to wait till after dinner. I'm just going to do this now. So I get up and I kneel before her and I look over and all the kitchen staff are on the windows watching me. Everybody's watching. Everybody in the restaurant's going, what's going on? And I say, will you marry me? And she looks at me. She doesn't answer. She took the ring, and I'm like, is she going to size it? What's she going to do, you know? And I go, and I sit down across the table, and, and she's just, and I go, well? And, and I'm like, it's a fouler thing. They don't answer the questions, you know? And she just goes, yo, yes. Oh, yes. And I'm like, praise the Lord, you know? Oh, and it was great. And the funny thing was is, why? Why am I telling you this? You see, through my life, through my life, I realized I had been, you know, though I was a youth pastor, I did not give God and submit to God everything in my life. The little things, sure. But the things that mattered, like who I'm going to marry, I'm not going to let anybody tell me but me. And, and, I, and I, I was going, you know, I'll decide. I want what I want, right? And, and when I submitted to God when I said you lead in this everything everything made sense you see we so often in our world we as Christians we will submit this we will submit this and then there's some things we'll harbor for ourselves and we're not going to do it we're, we're going to say this is more important I can't trust you God of the universe who created the Adam I'm not going to trust you, God, that I trust my soul with, but not with those things. And we live destitute. In John 10, 10, we know this verse, but it says, it says, no, it says, it says this, a thief comes only to steal and destroy, or kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, Satan and his systems and our fleshly desires are the thief. What do we do? Jesus is saying, you want life? It's not the way you think it's going to be. Because what are we doing? Our lives are being stolen from us. Our lives are being, are being destroyed by us and put to death. We're missing out on life. And Jesus is going, you want real life? Me, I'm the answer. You want to know if you're to have success in marriage? I'm the answer. My way. 
And so often we don't relinquish control. See, we got to remind ourselves, church, very, some, very simple. Life is not a dress rehearsal. Live it to the fullest. Is living it to the fullest your way? No, that's going to rot. See, God's way is how we live it to the fullest. You don't have all the time in the world. I thought when I was younger, I had all the time in the world. That's not so. I have all the time in the world to screw my life up or I have all the time in the world under Jesus to make my life matter. See, that's what we have to understand. But how do we get there? You gotta ask yourself, really, a quick question. What's guiding you? What is guiding you? Many of us, it's ourselves that are guiding ourselves. We're, we're listening to the world, we're listening to our fleshly desires, and we forget that, you know what, we're gonna get the same old, same old, we're gonna come up thirsty. Those things are going to rot, those things are going to get taken from us. That time is going to be wasted. Remember, time is the most valuable thing because you don't know how much you'll ever have. And to waste it on your desires when you could have the wonders of what God desires for you. You see, we're supposed to be letting God guide us. That's what a Christian does in all areas. In our key passage today in Ephesians chapter five, it says in verse 18, it says, be filled with the Spirit. You see, if you want to truly be guided by God, we have to be people that are filled with the Spirit. But a lot of us have these weird ideas of what that means, and that's what I wanna clear up today. Because we have to understand that that says very clearly in the passage, it says be. Now that's plural. That's plural, which means constant. It's not something that happens Sunday morning when there's worship going on. It's not something that happens on Wednesday nights when there's something else going on in your Bible study or when you're doing your devotions in the morning or whatever. Be. It's always. And everything. See, it's a continuation and then it says filled and we get this idea of what is the filling of the spirit you know what that means in scripture filled it means controlled by we have to be controlled by the spirit that's what it means we need to have him re and doing his thing in our lives a lot of people have these different notions going i gotta be baptized in the spirit right and that doctrine is is totally false because if we see in ephesians chapter 4 and verse in verse five, it says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now we went through this before, and what is this baptism? You see, what happened today was symbolism. He went down into the water, dead in his old life, and was raised up in new life in God, in Jesus. And so when we are baptized in to the spirit what does that mean we are baptized into the lord's family i brought it like this it says the baptism of the spirit means that i belong to christ's body you are you are brought into the body that's why it says in ephesians that what we are sealed by the spirit to the day of redemption you receive the spirit of god when you are saved now this is pure doctrine this is truth and so we get this spirit but what does it mean this filling See, the filling of the Spirit means that my body belongs to Christ. This. Everything about me belongs to Christ. That's what it means. That means it's submission. That means it's surrendering. That means it's going before God and say, God, 
everything, not just this aspect. Everything is for you, God. This is what I want. I want you to take control. So how do we do that? How do we live a life where the Spirit controls us? And, and Paul wants us to know this. There's no mystery here. There's no real, real big question of how we do it. He says very plainly, we need to walk diligently. This is Tom's words. But that what we want to do is we want to walk diligently. Or excuse me, deliberately. And deliberately, a lot of times, is we in life, we walk the way we want. We just kind of go happenstance, right? You go, you know, I'll see what happens. It's buying a, like, buying a lottery ticket, a quick pick, you know? You go, oh, whatever happens, I'll win, you know? Maybe I'll win. Let's see, roll the dice. That's not how a Christian's supposed to walk. We're to be people that are deliberate in what we do. We don't just let things happen. You want something to happen in your life. You want a good grade? You know, if you're me and you want a good grade, that means you got to study. I mean, that's the reality. I am a terrible student. Then there's my sister who's brilliant and just goes, yeah, whatever, you know. But the thing is, is if you want something to happen, you gotta go for it. Look what it says in Ephesians 5.15. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as unwise men, but as wise. Now, okay, so if you're not walking carefully, you're not very bright. That's what it's saying. That's, that's the paraphrased version. That's what Paul is saying. We gotta be careful on what we do, how we walk, and what we do. Now, a lot of Christians will go like this. I've gotta do, do, do. So I've gotta, I've gotta go to all these Bible studies. I gotta make sure I do this X, Y, and Z, and you're gonna burn out. That's not what it's saying. So often we get so anxious that we wanna go do things to make sure we're doing it. No. See, what we do is very simple, is we wanna make every step count. I mean, what you're doing, is this, is this worthwhile? Is this, is this an avenue I should go down as I go in my journey with the Lord? Is this something that's going to be uplifting to him? Is this honoring God in my life? See, that word careful, if you, were to, if you were to look at the meaning, it's basically to discern. And to discern is this, is this idea of, it's using your mind's eye. We don't hear that very much in our culture anymore. A mind's eye is to reflect and almost mentally picture going, what, what is, am I doing here? What, what is this all about? See, so often, you know, our culture, they don't think ahead, they just do. These kids that are mutilating their bodies because they decided they didn't want to change their sex, you know, they're not thinking. They're not thinking with their mind's eye. They're not looking at it deliberately of what I'm doing to myself. And then other things in our world, what you're spending your money on, what you're doing with your life, what you're doing with your body, church. Are you thinking that way? So many of us, we, we, we understand about the big sins. You know, oh yeah, I don't do the pornography. That's bad, I know that. But then we let other things into our lives and our homes. And we're okay with it. We become numb with it. There's, there's different things. Maybe you're, you're living so away and you're inflicting damage on your body. You know, too many jelly bellies. That's my problem. I love, you know me, I love my jelly beans. I do. And the thing is, is too much of those, it's dentist time, I know. And so the, you can talk superficially, but they're a reality that we have to understand that this, this is it, church. This is your only tool in life to do ministry, to show God the world, or the world God, and for you to live it to the fullest. And when you abuse your body, when you abuse your mind, 
Church, where are you at? And there's many ways to do it. Christians just like to turn a blind eye to the sin. I love the the message paraphrase. I don't use this very often, but I love how it says this. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, let people see God in and through your body. How many Christians are going, look, guys, God. It's kind of embarrassing, wouldn't you think? Your droopy drawers hanging down? Yeah, that's God. I'm sorry. It bothers me. But the thing is, is, is we, we, want to, we want to show the world, hey, I've got a great God, and I'm his instrument. And so I want to be wise in everything I do, and that's what we're called to do. So you want God, you know, you want God to guide you. You've got to start fusing your head. That's why he gave you free will. You have to ch- make choices. And he also goes on, and he says that we have to walk in away from evil. Walk away from evil. Now, I love chapter five because Paul is pretty open and honest and point blank about things. You don't have to really uncover what he's talking about. We need to not entertain evil. And we do. We like to entertain evil. It just comes at us and we're like, oh, there it is. It's fine. Are you disgusted with evil? As it says in verse 17 now, it says, so then, do not be foolish and, or excuse me, am I, oh, no, I'm not 16. It says, <laughs> making the most of your time because the days are evil. Okay, this is, this is easy. See, your time is not worth evil. Your time, you gotta make the most of it. And so this day that's wicked, do you wanna entertain that in your life? We've gotta guard ourselves from that. And so often we are not guarding ourselves from that. We're, we're letting it in. It's like my friend. Um, back when uh, we were living in Colorado, you know, he was going, I wanna start a business. And, and you know, I, I really like, you know, uh, you know fine scotches and, and cigars, okay? And I'm like, oh, you're a Christian? He goes, yeah, 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 but I'm not into drinking and all that. I just like to hang out and sniff it and, you know, and that kind of thing. So he decided he wanted to open a high-end liquor store. I'm like, okay, you know, one of those posh places where you can buy a $100 cigar, where you get, you know, the good stuff, whatever the good stuff is, and Johnny Walker or something. And so, so I hope that's good. And, and so, so this is what he, he was like, yeah. And so to do this, he decided to go to a high-end liquor store and work at the high-end liquor store. And so he worked there, and then they put him in charge of the nighttime, you know, when he closed up. And so he's learning the business, and he's learning all this stuff. And he comes to me, he goes, I'm not doing that, Tom. And I go, why not? What's going on? What, what changed your heart here? And he goes, people in the nighttime would come in and buy the cheap stuff. They would buy that stuff to numb themselves. They would come in day after day for that, you know, fifth. Their, their, their pack of cigarettes. And he goes, I don't want any part of that. That's not uplifting. That's not what I want in a business. And I go, yes, you gotta understand. That's the reality. We're not to entertain the evil in our businesses. And who we are, those evil practices. We need to be men and women that are above that. Last night, we started a new program. We, we heard about it, and so we decided to turn it on. And so we turned on this program, and it was great. Ah, we were laughing. We're like, this is really entertaining. But, we, you know, we were, we were streaming it from our phones. We kept on having trouble streaming it. And when we, we had those troubles streaming it, and it would stop, and, and then we would reflect. I really liked that. And I go, but, you know, did you notice there were... 
you know, these were girlfriends were over here and they were intimate together. And they're like, yeah. And now there's now a, a married husband and husband with a daughter in the home. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we're letting it in. We're entertaining it. I was like, you know, this isn't right. It's so disappointing. It was a good show and they screw it up by just adding stupid stuff. Don't you hate that? We shouldn't entertain these things. We have to walk away from evil and sometimes it's uncomfortable. And that, that's what we want to do. We want to focus on the wise things and then we go into the next one and doing that we'll see we walk in God's will. You go, walk in God's will. Yeah, we should know it, and we should know what the Creator wants, and we should actually do it. And it gets harder and harder in our culture to do that, but we need to be men and women that are walking in God's will. He says it very plainly in verse 17. So then, do not be foolish, but, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now you look at this and we see it's a commandment. This isn't an idea. You know, I think it would be a good idea that you would follow God. No, he's saying you walk. He says, so then. He's saying, do this. We need to walk this way. This is what we're called to do. And it doesn't take a scholar, a seminary grad, you know, an elder of the church, somebody that's brilliant to walk the way God wants you to do his will. Because Paul here is speaking universally. He's not speaking to you individually. He's, he's speaking to the church. And we have to understand that it is God's will that we do not corrupt our minds, our bodies, and our souls. You're going, where's that in Scripture? Everywhere. It, it, you just see this. You don't want to corrupt these things. Remember, transform your mind. We just said that let people see God in and through this. See, we need to be men and women that aren't corrupting them because they rot. We let that in and we're letting things rot in our lives. And I know a lot of Christians, they like to say, well, you know, Tom, I only do what I do so I can be more of an effective witness. It's like that Christian who starts a bar ministry. You go, I'm gonna go into the bar and just drink with my friends and then I'll, when they're loose, I'll lead them to the Lord. Yeah, that's silly. Or, or there's somebody that's younger that says, you know what, I'm playing these games, and you know, sadly, it goes into adulthood, and men and women are playing video games. Why? So they can be more connecting with young people or friends, and maybe that's an avenue. No, you gotta face the facts. The reality is, is you're doing it because you like it. See, we have to know, Christian, be very wise, that we, we, have to, we have to know that, you know, God doesn't need our help. I wrote it like this. God doesn't need help from Satan's tools to win souls. Wow. He doesn't. See, Jesus, he didn't use Satan's tools. He was open with himself, and he was open about sin. And that's the reality of life. He loved on people, but he didn't walk in sin. See, when we do that, we're in danger, as it says in Ephesians 4, in verse 27, it says, do not give the devil an opportunity. Every time we compromise, we open ourselves up, and we don't look at it in disgust, we give Satan an opportunity to numb us. And we've gotta be careful of that, 
because we should know what God's will is. And so church, because if we're doing these things, you know what's gonna happen? Know what the byproduct is? When you're seeking God out, his will out, when you're avoiding evil, when you are deliberate in who you are, that's what happens, is this. We walk in the spirit. And that's what we're commanded to do, is we need to walk spirit-filled. And it's not gonna happen because you dabble in sin on the weekends. It's not gonna happen that way. See, we're commanded to be filled with and walk in the Spirit. And this is what we need to do. And many of us, we are not letting him have control. See, remember, filled means what? Controlled. That's what it means throughout the Scripture. If you're filled, you're controlled by what? The Lord. That's what that means. And so it says, be controlled by, by the Spirit. And many of us have different ideas of what that looks like. And so we go to the verse, we look at verse 15, 18 of chapter five, and it says this, and do not drink wine, or, and do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, dis, dissipation excuse me, but be filled with the Spirit. So it's saying, hey, we need to be filled with the Spirit. And so we look at this, and a lot of people go, well, why does he bring, bring up getting drunk? You know, why does he do this so much, you know? You know, so many Christians. I know a lot of Christians that, you know what, your small group turns into a wine party. And I know a lot of Christians on the weekends, they go get drunk. And the Word of God says don't. Because when we get drunk, we're, we're, we're surrendering ourselves to other influences. And we can also bring drug use into this. Because that's rampant in the culture now. You know why Paul brings up drunkenness? It's because Ephesus was the, the, the wine country in that area of the Greek culture. I mean, it was like the Napa Valley. And so what did they do? Not only did they have the temple of Diana there, they had, they had a temple, they worshiped Bacchus. And this is who this is, or Bacchus, excuse me. And Bacchus, he is what? He was the god of wine. Yeah, it's nice, we got a god for everything, you know? And how do you worship a god of wine? Let me guess, it has something to do with wine. And we have to understand that he, how they worship him, he was a God of ecstasy and creativity. And as, as you would drink, something would happen to you. Debauchery. You ever notice people that drink too much? They do things they kind of wish they didn't. It's called the walk of shame. You ever hear that one? You know, people getting too drunk and they just go, what happened? What did I do last night? I hope it was okay. You know, how did I get home last night? Hope I didn't say too much. And, and, and it leads to debauchery. And we've got to guard ourselves. See, when Paul says dissipation, dissipation means shamelessness, wastefulness, a dissoluted life, meaning you're trying to, 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 to hamper your life. Suppress it. You ever notice how people, you know, when they drink, they become somebody they're really not? And a lot of like what the culture says, oh, now, now their inner self's coming out. They get a little loose, they get a little vocal, they get a little violent. That's drunkenness. And we're not called to that. So we see what it says here. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, it says be, this is plural. And a lot of people will look at this and they'll say, hey, you know what? There's a plural or a parallel here, right? 
In our culture, in the Christian culture, there's a parallel. They say, you're intoxicated, you know, with wine. So he's saying the, the other direction, now the spirit takes over. And the spirit makes you do things. <laughs> and, and, and we hear this. You might even watch it. Maybe you were part of a church like that. And church, we gotta be careful. If it's be, to be controlled by the spirit, we've gotta understand a few things about our spirit. Because you don't want to be, which is plural, constantly controlled by the Spirit the way some churches are on a Sunday morning in the dentist chair. That's dangerous to have a little drill in your mouth and you're just getting flailed in the Spirit. That's not what it means. Church, we have to understand that being filled with the Spirit is not a spiritual intoxication where one loses control. Now that's hard to hear. But Paul's saying, you know what? We have to understand that that is not it. It, it. It's something that happens to us constantly to be filled. It's something that we're about. See, church, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. I think I've read that somewhere. See, we are to be people that are people under control, not letting something else take control like that. You go to Galatians 5, what, are the, what is the fruit of the Spirit? If you're controlled, if you are controlled by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You know it. Those are those things that we let God have control. This is what we are to be about. And, and many of us, we get off on that. See, we want to be people of self-control. Let's, let's just go to 2 Timothy. You know I love 2 Timothy. And in chapter 2, or excuse me, 1, verse 7, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, which is what? Didymus or deutimus. And deutimus means that you have ability to do. So you have an ability to what? To love and discipline. Discipline is self-control. See, this is the, the spirit God has given to you by way of his spirit. See, the world, they can't control themselves. They do whatever their passion's desire is. And we are people that are controlled by the Spirit. Our Spirit is submitting to Him. That's how we do it. So, so the question is, and many of us will go, well, how can a person tell if they're filled with the Spirit? That's a big question. And because we, we go and we hear different things. And so I like to do something, and I like to look into the Word of God of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And Paul, as I shared earlier, he doesn't try and hide it from it. He doesn't want you to do some big mystery on how to find it, and you've got to go to the ancient Greek and all this different stuff and, and look deep. And No, he just spells it out for us in the following verses. And so he gives us three evidences, three areas that we can see if we're filled. Because if you are, first of all, if you're walking, you know, if you're walking diligently, the next one you're gonna see, you're gonna see, you're gonna walk away from evil, and then you're gonna see, hey, you know what? I'm doing God's will, and these are gonna be the byproduct. A spirit-filled person is joyful. They are joyful. You're going, well, he's joyful. Now, joy is not happiness. Happiness is felicity, and felicity, as I always remind myself, it is fleeting. It goes away. But a Christian can have constant joy in their life. That's what we're to be about. Now, this is not the joy when you're bouncing off the walls, but there's an inner joy that Paul reminds us of. And here we see in 19, he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody 
with your heart to the Lord. You see there, church? See, it's inside. It's what's going on in your heart. See, a spirit-filled person, and a spirit-filled person, there is music of the heart. That's where it's at, the music of the heart. See, the, you know, hey, my God is sovereign. My God holds me tight. Even in my darkest hour, I can look to him. Look at the Psalms. In your, in your pit of despair, you know your Lord is still there. I mean, we could see how we are to respond in Colossians. As Paul writes here to the church, he says in verse 16 of chapter 3, it says, let the word of God richly dwell, or Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. See, it's inside. So I, 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 it's, just, it's just a beautiful thing where you want to worship. Even you can give glory to God. I think of Francis, is it Francis Scott Key? No, I don't remember who. He's singing, it is well with my soul. I don't forget the, the person that wrote that, but the story behind it. And you can, you can let that impact you. Then I think of uh, last night, I, I, I took my mom, she's, she's living over in Surprise, and there was a church in Sun City West that, that had a little concert, and she didn't know what to expect, and I was like, I'm, I, she didn't drive now, and so I, I'm, the, I'm the person that was driving her there. So we went in there, and anybody here remember the Gaithers? All right, they were there. No, but... <laughs> They did show up, it seemed like, in different form. And, and, I, and, and it was, it was this, this four-person harmony group. And they were singing the old Maranatha songs, you know, and different stuff. And I'm like, I was flashing back to like 1978 and 1980. I was like, well, this is like my own home. This is what dad would always sing in the house. I mean, he would just be around and he's singing these songs. I mean, because it, it, was, it was bubbling up in him. It was beautiful. I was letting, they were really good. We wouldn't have it up here, unfortunately, very much, but boy, it was wow. I think of Charles Wesley. He wrote nine or 6,000 hymns. You go, wow. Either he had a lot of time on his hand, or I'll tell you, you know, he was overflowing with joy. The, the songs that Moody gave, there's so much there. David in the Psalms, read those. It's bubbling up within him. He can't hold it back. There's a joy. I think of the Maranatha of the 60s and 70s, that Maranatha movement, those songs. Church, that is to be in us. That is to be coming out of a spirit-filled person, your heart turning to him. But also a spirit-filled person is thankful. You're going, thankful, yeah. Thankful. And I'm not saying in a masochistic way, you're to be thankful because why? Your God is sovereign. Even in those hard times, as we see in verse 20, in verse 20 it says very plainly, it says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. He's saying everything in our life, we give thanks to God. This is what it's about. Stott put it like this. He says, that is praising God for being God, not praising him for being God evil for evil see what happened last week a, a person from our church they were driving to church on Sunday morning and somebody that was under the influence rear-ended them while they sat at a stop sign 
and, and that pushed their car into oncoming traffic and then they were broadsided and, and they, were, they were taken to the hospital and their little son Daniel is still in the hospital today and we need to pray for him he's in intensive care now that, that was God's free will to humanity See, church, we can give thanks for God that he has given us opportunity to choose his will, and that man that rear-ended him chose his own will, and it caused pain. But we can thank God that he's holding little Daniel in his hands, and we can pray for that. And we grieve when it's time to grieve. We mourn when it's time to mourn, but we can thank God that he is sovereign. That's what a spirit-filled person does. And then finally, a spirit-filled person is submissive. This is the hardest one for our culture. They don't like that word, submissive. But I tell you, if you aren't submissive to God, you aren't gonna be taking a girl to the brown palace to ask her for a hand in marriage. <laughs> See, that's the reality I live in. I understand that I need to relinquish control of all aspects to my God. That is how we become spirit-filled. And we have to be subordinate to our God. Our final verse today, well, in Ephesians 5, it says, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. You see, what does this mean? Well, this is an area of mutual submission mutual submission we're submissive to God and we're submissive to each other this is an area that we have to understand that we need to be submitting to God's ways what his word says even if we don't like it we follow it and Jesus he, he exhibits to us mutual submission Jesus does and we have to honor him fear him because that is the way we are told to operate and if we don't we are living in sin we are not following God's directive and so we see as it says very plainly as Jesus points out he says this to the disciples if I then the Lord and teacher, and teacher wash your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is no greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. See, Jesus, he humbled himself and did the Lord Father's business. Then he humbled himself to give that example to the disciples. Church, we need to start living that way. If you know the book of Ephesians next week, we're gonna be tackling marriage. We're gonna talk about how children need to submit to parents, how workers need to submit to their bosses, and how we see in marriage where the wife has to submit. You go, what does that look like? I know in our culture, you gotta come back next week to see how it ends up. Because that's scary to talk about. You know, I got my bags packed just in case I'm running out of town. But the reality is, this is the way we got to see how this looks like. But what does it look like for the man? Young people, I challenge you, come next week. You go, well, I'm not getting married yet. You want to know who to marry. You want to know how to act in that marital relationship so you can have a wonderful, God-centered life.
We need to learn that there is a structure, yes, but there is a mutual submission for us all that we will talk about next week. But we have to be those men and women that are submitting to God's way, his structure, his order, but also submitting to one another. Our final verse says this, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with all humility of mind, Regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's what we're supposed to do. We hold ourselves to God's way of doing things. We say, God, you're in charge. This is the way I want to live so I can have that abundant life, so I can live the life that you have called me to live, so I can actually live this life as best and with purpose, and so I don't waste it. That's what we're called to do, church, because remember, life is not a dress rehearsal. We need to live it to the fullest by letting God guide you. That's what we do. But you've got to give it all over to God or you're going to wind up wasting it. This is your last go-round and your only go-round. Live it to the fullest. Will you pray with me? Worship team, you can come up. Lord God in heaven, I thank you, God, that you are in complete control of all things, our attitudes and our hearts. I pray, God, though this is a, a sticky message, I pray that it would fall on ears with joy because you want the best for us. So God, guide us in that. Help us to be the men and women you want us to be. And God, there are some here that don't agree with this. I pray, God, that you would speak to their hearts where they're at. And there are some here, God, that don't even know you. I pray that they would turn to you. And if that's you, you just ask Jesus to save you. You don't have to do anything. You are born from above. So no work. Just recognizing that you need Christ. Say, Jesus save me I turn from my sin and I turn to you save me oh God that simple prayer can be one that you meet an answer right now and I pray for that person here that they would say I need Jesus so my life isn't wasted Lord God bless us guide us in Jesus' name